Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Willie Donick. We will talk Vanderbilt basketball. Today's podcast presented by Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These folks will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you've been injured in an accident. Call them 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Some wonderful news for Vanderbilt men's basketball. The university today announced a $5 million gift to support the men's basketball program. That was given by Seattle area businessman and Vanderbilt graduate George Huber, who finished at Vandy in 1979, and his wife Kathy as well. That gift will be used to advance facilities and support services, and I think is coming with a $5 million matching gift from the university as well. The guest line presented by my friends Scott and Missy Tannen at Bowl and Branch. They are Vanderbilt graduates who've been making great products for years, and I could not believe how much I liked them until I got them myself. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women, treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress, which was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Willie Donick joins us now. Willie, of course, played basketball and baseball at Vanderbilt. You know him as the play-by-play announcer of the Nashville Predators and a talk show host on 102.5 The Game. Willie, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, glad to be with you as always, Chris. The big news is Vanderbilt got a $5 million donation to basketball. I think it was last night or a couple of nights ago. I'm not sure when, but it's very fresh. And Vanderbilt apparently is going to match that with $5 million of its own. So a $10 million cash infusion for the basketball program is a big deal and maybe in more than one, one way. Well, I think that would be for almost anybody, wherever you sit, uh, that is really tremendous news. And I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is it's on top of already a very good start in the commitment to the resources that Jerry Stackhouse was given upon taking the job. So, that only bolsters what was already a pretty good foundation in terms of financial support. So uh, I'm really curious to see how they decide to use that, how do they, how they decide to allocate it. Yeah, I am as well. And you made the comment when we talked before we started the show that you didn't think that donors were allowed to give to one sport like that. And look, when you go and investigate the donation policies and things like that, Sometimes it's hard to separate fact from fiction, but I know that Bryce Drew had a hard time raising money, and I think he'd raised some money at one point. And according to some people, he was told, well, you've got to split that among all sports. Um, I've heard that he brought that to Vanderbilt, and they told him, to, hey, let's, let's slow down and not get ahead of ourselves here, whatever that means. Who knows? But I think the fact that they, they took the donation – and not only was it publicized, but it was publicized from the university. 
account, the Vanderbilt University Twitter account, it was said that it would be used for facilities and, again, the match. So I think that's – look, in the facility stuff coming up, are people going to get all that they want? I don't think so. I don't think that they're going to do the football stadium, at least in terms of new one. I think they may put – Numbers that I hear around maybe $50 million into Dudley Field. We will wait and see. You never know till an announcement is made. But nonetheless, that is pretty significant and pretty historic no matter what happens from here. I would agree. And uh, in terms of the policy, I just, I just can remember times where, depending on who was there, and this is going back to when I was in school, in, in the early 90s, where – they would try to steer you people in, in those positions back then would try to steer away from making a donation to a particular sport. For example, back in the day, one of the things that the baseball program was trying to do in the, in the pre Tim Corbin era was try to get lights for the field. They were the only team in the sec that didn't have lights and you're playing at Vanderbilt university where you have classes going on (laughs) until you know three o'clock in the afternoon and you got games that have to start by 3 30 to get them in before it got dark so that was that was a big big issue and for years they didn't have lights and so you know if you heard about a donor and i I never knew any specifics i was just sitting this sitting there at the time hearing it second or third hand you know somebody wants to put lights up there but they're saying you got to give to the whole athletic program and they're going to decide i guess that there's merit to that but um you know it it's definitely I think important for people to, if they have a particular passion for a particular sport, I think there's a lot of merit to being able to say, I want to, I, w- I want this to be the program that benefits from the donation that I'm giving. Cause that's where, that's where my heart is. That's where I want to give. Well, I feel a little sorry for Bryce Drew. No, he made some bad decisions in multiple ways. And it's of course, very much came crashing down on him with Darius Garland but I know that Bryce, they were begging for a million or two here or there to do that. So he's got to be sitting here today watching the news doing the, the face palm. Uh, but what I kept hearing coming out of that staff was, hey, just a million or two, we could do wonders. Get us a gear room that we can show to recruits. It gets them excited on their visits and some things to the locker room. Just some fundamental repairs and restoration that will cover all that and then a good bit more um, if the numbers that they thought being a million or two would do wonders were correct. So I, I guess I'm asking you, what do you do with $10 million if you're Vanderbilt basketball now? Well, I was, I was fortunate enough to hear a few things that, that I knew probably has his priorities in a different spot that might, they might list. I mean, for one coach, it might be, you know, I need updated, for example, um, video equipment or, or editing in order to put together scouting reports on the other team, get tendencies. You know, the, there's, there's always improvements. I mean, I can go back when I, when I was playing, our coaching staff would take all the old VCRs, uh, you know, and they, they would take the videotapes and they would have to edit those. And that was extremely time consuming compared to what you have to do today. But you have to have the, the most updated technology. And, of course, the better that you have, the more efficient you can be and the more detailed that you can then turn it around and give it to your staff. So I, I, that could be one area, for example, that's sort of behind the scenes. It's not as flashy 
so to speak, as you know, something nice for a locker room that you would that you would show a recruit. Uh, I noticed the last few times I've been in there. I don't know if, if Coach Stackhouse has done anything different, but if you go over by the practice gym, you know that that area outside of the gym that is a nice area to showcase some of the history with some old pictures of some of the people I played with and before me and after me. That hasn't been updated in a long, long time. To me, that would be an area that I think would be nice uh, to take a look at. But those are just a couple of things. You know, I'm not over there every day, and, and Jerry Stackhouse is going to have his vision uh, with that. And, I, you know, there's there's kinds of things, especially uh, when, you know, I think the percent from, from afar that, you know, something like this could really infuse it is much, much needed. It's, a, it's much more rare to get something on that level than it is at a lot of other places. Well, for Vanderbilt, it's almost unprecedented. But what you said, two things about video. Um, I wonder how outdated that gets. I'm trying to remember the name of the service for basketball that, that does a lot of those breakdowns and statistical things. You would know it if I said it, and I would know it if you said it, but it has escaped me. I wonder how much the times have changed the needs for those kind of things. And in terms of the branding, when you go in McGugan now, they've done a really nice job with that and, and the look and feel of things in and around that building. So if you do that for some other spots too, I've seen spots where Vanderbilt's done that pretty well and, and updating the look there for basketball would be a, a nice touch, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And then, you know, so, so long-term, I like, I like how that's going to, to bear out. And now the focus has to be just trying to, to hold this group together and move them forward under the adverse circumstances that they have uh, been dealt here, which is really, really tough. Uh, because I, I really thought they were in position to do some nice things until Aaron Neesmith got hurt. Yeah, they were. And with that, there's a few mailbag questions on that topic. So I'm going to go into that. Today's ma- mailbag is sponsored by our buddy Mark Gent at Simply a Fan. Go to simplyafan.com. Mark organizes baseball trips all over the country. He's going to be doing that for Vanderbilt Baseball this year for several road trips, including uh, the MLB4 tournament that opens the season to Arizona. Mark can get you there, get you tickets, get you accommodations. So go to simplyafan.com. Check out what those guys do, and if you want to make a Vandy road trip, Mark is a guy to hook you up there. Bighorn Sheep says, if you were the coach with Aaron Neesmith out, how would you change the offense from what they were doing? Well, there's not a whole I – mean, you have to change a lot. I think that goes without saying. Um, I watched their game against Arkansas, which is the first time they probably really had a chance to prepare without Aaron Neesmith. And, you know, there, there's only so much you can do is what I would tell you, especially even without Cleavon Brown. It's very noticeable not having him in there, a serviceable, experienced big man who can catch and dunk who I thought was taking a nice step forward at this stage of his career. So that's an underrated injury, too, that gets a little overshadowed when you lose a tremendous player like Neesmith. So you have to try to play to your players' strengths. Um, but to be honest, other than the ability for Saban Lee to attack the basket and beat his man, there's not a lot of other guys that are, that are equipped to really be the focal point of the offense. Although I do really like how the freshmen play. They play fearless. I think 
they're going to be really good players. It's just hard for them to carry the load right now with, with the situation. So this is going to be a tremendous learning experience for all of them, and they're going to have to play their way through it. And I think long-term they could benefit uh, from the situation they've, they've been put in. I think this one also from Bighorn Sheep, and I apologize if it is not, but he said Vanderbilt's had two years in a row where it's unquestioned the best offensive player goes down early in the season with a season-ending injury. Can you relate to this in any of your playing days and can you think of any team that's had this happen before? I will add to that and say you had the Matthew Fisher-Davis injury the year before that that cost him, what, two-thirds of the season. And then you had Luke Cornette either missing or being hobbled a good portion of the first season when Bryce Drew got there. So it goes beyond just those two, Willie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really alarming. It, it, it's, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, especially for Vanderbilt. It, it, you're right. They, they, you go back, Luke Cornette had a couple of different injuries that, that cost him pieces of seasons at critical times, and, and that affects. When you only play 26, 28 games, whatever it is, if you miss 8 to 10 games, that's a giant chunk of the season, let alone missing the, the, the entire league portion of the season, which has happened to both Neesmith and Garland. So it's just devastating. There's no other way you can say it. Now, what I, was, what I saw that I liked the other day against Arkansas is those guys really played hard. Arkansas is a Arkansas, I think, is a little bit underrated. They've got a lot of talent on that team. That's battled. They just don't have the horses right now. But that will be the challenge all year is to not get beat down mentally. Uh, it's a young team. Last year's team, I think we all agreed, didn't handle it very well. Right? They, they sort of unraveled as the season went along. And you're just starting the conference year. So this will be a great test. Uh, but a new coach in Jerry Stackhouse, this will be uh, a great challenge for him. And if he can just ride through this storm, hopefully they'll come out on the other side. And at some point, you'll, get, you'll catch some breaks. Yeah, I'm with you. Arkansas is a good team. I could certainly see that team grabbing, a, say, a 4-8 to eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Oh, there's no question. And... and you know, they're, they're, they've got that explosiveness. That should be a, a building where they win in a lot. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about a lot, it's not a real deep SEC. So that, that's got to be a team that takes the lead and represents the conference. WKU Door says, did Stackhouse bring in his own training staff or retain the ones that were put here prior? We've had significant injuries multiple years in a row, and it seems like it could be a training staff issue same question goes for women's basketball. Is the injury bug seems to strike yearly in a major way? Should both training staffs be overhauled and or replaced? Well, that's always something, regardless of what sport you're talking about. Uh, you know, the Titans went through a long stretch where it seemed like everybody was pulling a hamstring. Or, or you know, you might have a couple years where the Predators in training camp would have a bunch of guys pull a groin in the training camp. It's always a natural thing to say, well, what are they, what's the training staff doing? I, I never buy that. I, I think the trainers in really all sports work extremely hard to do everything they possibly can. And I, I would throw in also the strength and conditioning coaches for those teams. So I, I'm not going to point the finger there. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse, I do think, has his own strength and co- conditioning 
coach. I don't think he has his own training staff, although, you know, in the, within the training staff, it's my understanding that, you know, from within the training, the central training staff, each team has a couple of trainers that focus on that team. So, uh, again, I, to me, that's got absolutely nothing to do with it. What I do wonder about in the injuries, Chris, is all of the play that you have growing up. And I don't know how many of the kids, specialize in basketball and at what age they start specifying. But I do know that you play so many games when you, when you commit to an AAU team or a summer team, you play a lot of games and, and the wear and tear on your feet, on your joints for guys that big who are working so hard to get stronger. They, they practice so, so hard on, on their jumpers, uh, on their individual training to go with their team stuff. I do think that it makes you more prone to injuries like that, where, where your body just can't take it. It happens at the pro level as well. And I know they're, they're very conscious about your diet, your sleep, because uh, I think you, could, you can document a lot of great players. Zion Williamson would be one, I guess you'd throw out there. And you just wonder, you know, all, of the, all the play that you have and that mileage you get at a young age, does that cost you in some areas? I agree a thousand percent. I will add this too, Willie. I know the Neesmith injury, what we were told was that they were looking at an ankle. I guess he had rolled one maybe in the Davidson game. And and they were looking at the ankle and they spotted, I guess, maybe the beginnings of a stress fracture in the foot. I may be putting words into their mouths, but this is how I understood it. It was something to monitor. And they looked at it again a week or two later and there was a stress fracture and they kind of told Aaron, I think, it sounded like, hey, you're, you're going to sit out. I think he maybe wanted to play through it, but it sounded like that was one of those, hey, for your own good, this is what we're going to do here. Uh, so there's that. I think that they did monitor. It kind of popped up. I don't know that he had a history with those things. I will also tell you last year, I went to a preseason practice, and I come in, and I look over, and everybody's going except Darius Garland, who's on the stationary bike. And I looked at somebody and said, what in the world is that? And they said, look, this is completely off the record, but he's had some knee issues before. Uh, we're just trying to be cautious with him. So, again, if you want to point the fingers at the training staff, I, I guess you can. It's, it's easy to point fingers and look for blame and, and look for some explanation sometimes. But sometimes it's as simple as stuff just happens. And in the case of both those guys – the evidence I had is that they knew about the issues ahead of time. They did reasonably what they could to do, to try to prevent those, and they happened anyway. Right. I, I again, the, the, a lot of the wear and tear sometimes happens before the kids ever get there. Uh, I think it's happened really in all sports. You know, with the specialization. You know, that's a whole other thing. Sometimes the specialization where you're not playing two or three sports like you used to in previous generations. That lends itself to, to the injuries that you see. And I'm not saying that that happened with either Garland or Neesmith. I can't tell you the specifics about either injury. It's just a theory I have in the, in the big picture. And it just makes me wonder about that stuff. But the training staff, I, I would have to say the training staff, the strength and conditioning is better than it's ever been. So, so I, don't, I don't think that is where you would you would look at it. I do think we have to take a look at, you know, the, you know, you, you hear it with pitchers' arms all the time, the workload, right? Uh, you, you see AAU tournaments, 
going back, going down to the age where, where of, of my son, who's 14, you know, when he was playing at 10 or 11, they, they could have a tournament and you play three or four games in one day. That That's, uh, you know, you do that for several weekends in a row over the summer. You can't tell me that doesn't take its toll on your body long term. Well, not just the toll on the body, but just the toll on you. I mean, I asked Tim Corbin about this. I said, when is a good time to start kids in travel ball? Because I've got a son who's not even six yet. And he got asked to play in a in sort of a, we'll call it a travel tournament, a local weekend thing. We thought about it. We had other stuff to do. And I know that kind of stuff is around the corner. And I don't want to see my kid burned out. Um, and, and Tim, you know, who was his hardworking and, and you know, pushes people to their limits as much as, as most people thinks it's excessive too. And I have to think that it's not just the physical toll, but the mental part of it too. Oh yeah. I, I think, you know, we're, we're going away from the specifics of the current guys at Vanderbilt, but I think when you take a look at it, there's plenty of kids over time that reach a point where they're like, this isn't fun. You know, I just, I've had enough and I'm going to do something else. And sometimes it happens way too early uh it, and kids should just be playing just to play because it's good for you to play it's good for you to be active good for you to be part of the team all of the reasons why you should play to begin with um and then and then there's the part that we're talking about where you have elite athletes pushing themselves to the brink to be the best they can be because they don't know any different when it might be a little counterproductive uh, to, to push it a little too far Last one, then I'll let you go. WKU Door says, what can Vanderbilt do differently to get transfer players approved by the NCAA? It seems every other team in the SEC gets their players' waivers while Vanderbilt gets the short end of the stick. I think what he's referring to is Tennessee's gotten a, you know, a transfer or two eligible here in basketball, including one right over the break. Uh, you know, In football, Vanderbilt didn't even get an answer on the Langham kid till I don't know, mid-October. And he he transferred in the summer, um, and they had another one in there too. I think the green kid from Oklahoma who transferred before he ever played a snap. There does seem to be a glaring inconsistency between what happens at some places and what happens at others. I don't know what to attribute that to, but maybe you can take a shot at this. Well, you know, you would probably know more than I do. I I, I don't know if it's transfers per se in general the graduate transfer is a whole another category that's a I know that's been discussed before uh it would seem like Vanderbilt would be a great landing spot with all their great graduate schools to find the guy who could jump in and and play for a year that's such a huge impact on a college basketball team even if just to add a uh, a role player but I don't know what 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 have coaches told you I know I know in basketball in particular because of where the season falls it's different than football. Is that fair to say? Probably one thing that I've heard, and this is specifically basketball related, that sometimes it's it's almost blackmail. In other words, if a player leaves your program and has something on you, a coach is a lot more willing to let you transfer, give you that waiver without much of a fuss because they don't want the blowback that might result if they don't. Now, I don't know that that's universal, but I've heard that before. Well, I, I know this, that, and again, I, I'm referring to my, my history, and that is, history is a long time ago now. I'm getting older, but if you go back, uh, transfers have been a gigantic part of the success 
I mean, look at Derek Byers, look at Bruce Elder, look at Billy McCaffrey, Chris Lawson. I mean, they're, they're, you can go down the list. There's a lot of transfers that have made a giant impact on some really good Vanderbilt teams over the years. So I, I think that's a, that's a tool that you should try to explore. Uh, and if, if you're being inhibited in the pathway and other teams have no, 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 no barriers, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. It all, to me, it all goes back to the incompetency of the NCA. But that is a podcast for another day. I know that you have your real job to tend to. Um, you have the Predator season, which has just been crazy. And by the way, I had a poster, Vander Lee, asked me to pass along a compliment to you for your work with the Predators. Anyway, I know the Predators aren't all that you have going on. You've got your own show on 1025 The Game. You have a Twitter handle. I want to give you the moment, Willie, to promote your stuff before you leave the podcast today. All right, and I am about to jump on uh, at 102.5 The Game. That's uh, every weekday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on ESPN 102.5. And at Fox Sports Tennessee, we're about to take a break for the All-Star weekend and the bye week that's in the middle of the season, but the Predators will play Saturday night against the Buffalo Sabres on Fox Sports Tennessee. Willie, thanks for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next week. Okay, thanks a lot, Chris. He's Willie Donick. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week.